0: Welcome to another episode of Modern Day Wizards. Today I am joined by Andy Brookshire, who is a guy I, let, I met on the library blockchain, basically a video sharing platform. And uh, I watched a few of his videos. He has a platform there called Green River Alchemy, which um, actually, basically, this is the first time I've talked to you. So, And I've watched a couple of your videos. But, so I'd like kind of a, a quick synopsis of Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with the Green River Alchemy thing?
1: Well, the Green River Alchemy um, was something that I started. So I live in Washington State, um, and there's a river that starts near Mount Rainier called the Green River. And when I first got the idea for putting together a place for kind of a, a, a place for people to come together to talk about natural law, I thought about calling it the Green River something. And so, you know, I, I was really into alchemy and reading um, Fulcanelli uh, at the time, The Mystery of the Cathedrals. And I thought, oh, alchemy is a great term for kind of natural law that I think draws people in a little bit because it's, I think in the, in, in the modern, the, the main conception, people think of alchemy and they don't really know what it is. So it's kind of a good lead into, well, let me tell you about it because it's not some crazy guy in a, in 13th century France in a, in a dusty boiler room with, Necessarily, it's a lot of things, but it's a good entry to talk about. So, um, it's a lot of different things too. But that, that's neither here uh, nor there for this. Uh, but so, I, I wanted to kind of start this kind of place where people could come together, kind of a coffee shop sort of thing. And I thought, oh, society kind of idea would be fun. So I called it the Green River Alchemical Society, and it was kind of just a little small kind of some people emailing each other and we'd meet up from time to time and it was a very small circle of people that i knew and so earlier this year i took it online trying to expand it and particularly around the notion and i'm glad you mentioned blockchain because this is a secret society and you should tell everyone that it's a secret society and it's a decentralized secret society so each individual node, which I, I suggest people, if you're going to start a branch of the of the Green River Chemical Society, there's a free one square meter of real estate right here that you can you can start your branch in, and report to yourself. You don't have to take take uh, orders from from headquarters. There is no headquarters. It's decentralized. So it's just kind of a riff on a secret society. That's uh, it's just kind of a networking kind of thing for people to talk about natural law, talk about freedom, talk about. Um, how how we can get out of the situation we're in and into a situation where we actually have freedom uh, in the world. So,
0: so how
1: long have you
0: known about natural law? How did you get into it? Because like most people that I'm aware of who are in a natural law got into it through Mark Cassio, and kind of recently, and I, it almost sounds like uh, you maybe were prior to Mark Cassio.
1: Well, I first ran into natural law uh, In those terms through Mark Passio, like I had, I had, I was familiar with the concept, but hadn't necessarily heard the term natural law applied to it. And so when I first came across Mark, which was in 2012, I think, um, it was like, Oh, okay. So this is what we're calling it. And, and I, I don't necessarily, I'm not a big stickler for natural law because it's kind of a nebulous term. Um, I almost prefer moral law.
0: Yeah, I think so. It's um, more clear. Natural and, makes you think of evolution. symbol makes right, some people think. Right, right. Yeah, there's evolution. a lot.
1: Naturals are very tough. Like I talk with my mom, and she like, "Well, yeah, but but you know that that doesn't apply to like parrots and stuff." And it's like, "Well, it does." But I see what you're saying. There's a lot of mental. Um, I don't say baggage. There's there's a lot of. Uh, um not semiotics, Um, semantics. People have a lot of semantic baggage when it comes to the term natural or nature. Uh, So it's kind of a tough term, but I'll definitely use it because, uh, like I said, it's kind of, hey, this is what we're calling it. Um, But yeah, I like moral law. I'll even take spiritual law, even though that can be a little vague for people. But yeah, I really like the idea of moral (laughs) law because for me, it's all about morality. But um, what it comes down to, is I really first understood the idea of natural law or moral law through my Christian upbringing. And I don't call myself a Christian anymore because again, there's a lot of baggage that goes with that. And I really don't, I really don't like the church. Again, that's why I have a decentralized society of alchemists because there's no hierarchy. There's no structure. There's no central command. There's no chain of, of, of pyramidical sort of hierarchy. Or even you know in the modern church where it's a lot of kind of loose you got a pastor and maybe got some deacons but there and there's only sort of a hierarchy for me you know everybody has access to the truth everybody can be their own direct link you don't need some proxy uh, to stand between you and and so I really understood the tenets of it through my upbringing in in um, Christianity but when I got to college when I went to a Christian university and started learning about the history of the church. And I'm a huge history buff. I started to learn some things that made me really question the whole thing. And so I, you know, spent years pushing it all away, studying parts of it, studying a lot of the things that they, you know, I was told, Oh, the occult is so evil. Never, never look at it. And so I was like, well, I need to know what that's about. And came to realize that this principle, these principles at the center of the spiritual ethos of Christianity are basically the same as they are in a lot of different occult hermetic um, traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're really kind of all talking about the same thing. So when I started to learn uh, uh, some of that stuff, it made me realize there's a lot of stuff with Christianity that you can just throw away. And there's a lot of filler. Oh. There's a lot of stuff that's put in there uh, in order to promulgate the idea that you need somebody to, Arbiter to be the arbiter of you uh, and your connection with God, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, however that manif, you know. Um, yep. But a lot of it's put in as a, contr- a, a control structure. You know, a lot of the, but there is there is truth at the at the core. There is a kernel uh, of of something, and and that's what I started to realize, um, and really started to kind of get into that around 2008 and 2009 and i'd read um the creature from jekyll island by uh g edward griffin like right before the markets crashed and so it was like as this was happening as the housing bubble is exploding i've just read all this this stuff and come to this information where this is all part of the system and so really started to see it playing out in front of me um as far as the control uh, uh the, the nature of the control structure. Um, and mm-hmm. so that really started to help. And then, so I started to dig deeper and that's about 2012, you know, after a couple of years, uh, looking at a lot of different sources kind of came to Mark's work and thought, okay, he's got a pretty good conceptualization and way of kind of teaching kind of the cut and dry uh, of, of yep. natural law. So mm-hmm. long story short.
0: Cool. So my, uh, my history is... Very similar years, actually. Like I grew up Christian. I went to a Christian school in Washington. I don't know if it's the same one. I went to Seattle Pacific. Seattle. Oh, me too. To-
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Cool. Yes. I uh, lived in it.
0: 2001, I, I think, 2001.
1: I was there in 2000. I started in fall 2002 and was there to spring 2004. That's wild.
0: Oh. Wow, we could have knew each other. I only, stayed, I only went there one year, so I, I never would have never met you. But I, we, probably That's, stay, too, probably funny. <laughs> That's anyways, too funny. That's too funny. So basically you went through this realization of, yeah, all these religions and stuff, they're all teaching the same thing. This kernel natural law or moral law is present in all of these religions. So that seems to be the thing to understand not necessarily all of the other details that these religions are talking about. So what, if someone walked up to you on the street and said, what is natural law? And you know, you know, they need to get on with their business. They just want to know real quick. What would you tell
1: them? Oh, to try to be quick. Okay. Um, (laughs) I have a problem with brevity sometimes, especially on this topic, but I'll do my best. (laughs) Uh, so, it, it, I, and and I like I like the kind of the, the kind of socratic method of dialogue. So the first thing I would ask them in response to their question is don't you want do you want to build a better freer world? Chances yes. are they would say yes. Everybody says that they do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's now let's go to that word build. If you want to build say a structure, a building, what do you need to understand to do that? Well, you need to understand some basic kind of physics, but mostly you just need to kind of understand architecture, which encompasses a lot of physics. Architecture is to the building of structures. What natural law is to the building of a freer world.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So learning the principles of natural law allows you to have the tools and, and techniques to build a, a, a freer world, a freer life, um, and, uh, you know, if you don't understand architecture, you might be able to get a structure up, but it's probably not going to last very long. If you don't understand natural law, you might be able to cobble kind of a life together, but it's not really going to be successful or or um, have staying power in terms of, of, of long-term freedom. So that's kind of my short answer. So it's not
0: it's not morality like if you do something bad and no one knows – that God knows and he's going to be mad at you type situation. It's, it's more of a, it's for your own best interest mm-hmm. to know mm-hmm. this and to follow it, not that because someone will be angry or judge you or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and morality is an aspect of it, but not morality for the sake of some outside entity. You know, there's not some bearded man in the sky who's going to wait till you die to punish you for what you've done. The system mm-hmm. that god for the creator um called what you will has designed creates that negative feedback from an immoral action and i'll get into what morality really is it creates the feedback from that action it might not be direct you know you might not have the instant karma of the john lennon song but at some point it's going to create a, a manifestation of suffering. And that's essentially the principle, uh, you know, that, that if you push against, it's going to push back because everything mm-hmm. kind of has to, has to, everything is built to stay in a, a fine balance to, to seek equilibrium, to seek balance, um, After talking with, I know you've interviewed Michael David Moreno, Uh, one of the things that I came away with uh, from talking to him and communicating with him is that I think one of the biggest problems that we have in our conceptualization of the universe from the modern scientific standpoint is that everything tends towards disunity, that everything's falling apart, which may or may not be true. I don't think we have necessarily the long-term ability to judge that, What I do know to be true is that everything is seeking an equilibrium. Everything is trying to stay in balance. Everything's moving towards balance. Um, And if that balance ends up looking at some point like disunity or, or, or like something's chaotic, I don't think you're necessarily seeing the full picture. For example, you let a house you build a house in the woods and you leave it and it gets overgrown. Well, you would, some people would say, well, that's, you know, entropy. That's, that's that going, returning to chaos. No, that's the the situation around it returning back into harmony, back into nature. Yeah. Things grow. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. So if your house gets that's overgrown. It's kind of like a
0: human specific idea of order, you know, a, a mowed lawn and all that. And that's not really what nature exactly. means by order
1: exactly exactly and and so yeah the idea that the idea that entropy is a chaotic thing i i think it's a it's a you're you're kind of picking and choosing what your start point and your end point are for a natural system as opposed to stepping back and trying to see a bigger and bigger picture where actually everything's coming back to some sort of balance
0: mm-hmm. so uh, in that conversation with the person on the street, you basically gave them the the intro, kind of the, the teaser, and you said, if you know these principles, you know, like if the if the um, the person making the house knows these principles of geometry and physics, for natural law, what are those principles? You mentioned one, which basically sound like for every action there's an equal and opposite mm-hmm. reaction. Are there other principles?
1: Absolutely. And I'll kind of go the way that I think about it um, and and I like to stick with the building concept because we're trying to build a freer world. We're trying to build something in the world and and we'll get into how things are created. That's part of this, but just the concept of building something is, is a good, it's a good inroad. We've already kind of started down that architecture and and, and building. Um, And so now that we've kind of cleared the, cleared the, cleared the foundation or cleared, cleared space for our building Um, now we're going to set the four cornerstones is how I think of it. So there's four moral principles, and then we'll go on to the more traditional columns, which are the hermetic principles. And they're all parts of natural law, but I break it up just kind of to to keep the theme going um, of building. So the first one, the first principle of uh, the first moral principle is morality. Uh, That's really to me, the first cornerstone. Um, And it leads into some some of the others and and, and leads into a foundation where you can start to build upward from there. But morals basically uh, uh, put it this way. So building in harmony with the rules of architecture leads to a successful structure, right? Acting in harmony with the laws of nature leads to a freer world. And that acting in harmony with the laws of nature, that's morality. Morality is not doing good because you're going to be judged or because you're going to look a certain way or appear a certain way to yourself or you're going to feel guilty. Those are all kind of secondary effects. Morality really is just acting in harmony with the the nature of creation, the the, the structure of um, um, the reality that we inhabit. Uh, So that really understanding that morality is... Not some thing not some list of platitudes or, or ten commandments or twelve commandments or five commandments or you know. It's 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 the it's the kernel of acting in harmony with the things around so you. To 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 seek we, that harmony for yourself.
0: If we look into nature beyond the human world, I mean basically what we can see if we're looking at it a certain way is we see things taking life, energy, whatever, from other things in order to continue existing. So if we're in harmony with nature, it seems like from that perspective that not being moral is actually in harmony with nature. What would you say about that? Oh, uh,
1: being in harmony with...
0: Because a, a lion's going to eat the gazelle, Right.
1: sure that's
0: that's sort of an immoral action
1: okay all right i see what you're saying um well it's it's not um because the the the, in that in that system particularly lion gazelle predator prey relationship first of all the lion has no way of thinking about thinking about hunting it just hunts that's how it sustains life and you don't see the lion you don't see the lion t- trying to control the entire herd of gazelles keeping them in a cage and slowly picking them off one by one until the species dies out and then the lion has nothing to eat you know the the lion has been around for thousands and thousands and millions or whatever of years because it understands it takes what it needs when it needs mm-hmm. and doesn't push to to, to create an, a, a disequilibrium, any disharmony within that relationship, within that system. Yes, it's killing individual gazelles and usually the weakest and slowest, but it's not killing so many so fast that it's jeopardizing its own ability to, and it's, it's future generations ability to continue to, to eat. And so the couple that couple that, acting for what is needed when it's needed. Couple that with the idea that the lion can't really conceptualize that what mm-hmm. it's doing has, you know, lions don't have the brain processes to think about thought. I mean, that's a very distinctive human thing. And so they're not really capable of thinking about what am I doing? It's so, fulfilling so that. I want, and, and,
0: I want to make sure we get to all four pillars, but I I want to... I'm just. We're going to go off a little bit of a tangent. I want. I just want to make sure that we don't forget to go back. So basically, I want to understand because this is a common thing that people say when they're defining natural law: is the ability to understand that natural law is in effect seems to affect how it works. Do you know what I mean? Like we are affected by natural law differently than a lion. Mm -hmm. So why? Why does that? Why is it like that?
1: Well, we have we have free choice. I mean, ultimately, that's what it it, it comes down to. And that's the human brain has the ability to think about thought. I mean, there's uh, there's upper level cognition in the neocortex that separates the processing abilities of humans from other animals probably there are some you know thoughts that maybe dolphins have some upper cognitive abilities or or octopus you know there's 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 certain arguments that could be made into that but for the most part um humans have the ability to 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 have upper level thought function and therefore because of the way that our brain is structured we have the ability the ability to act out of alignment with with the laws of nature we have the choice to act outside of of harmony whereas the lion i mean a lion can't really be immoral because it can't really make the choice to do anything outside of keeping harmony with the system that it's in it, it just it, a lion can't go start so, a bank i mean it's just not something okay, a so lion's let, capable of doing
0: let's say we have a situation where the lion is starving and it wants to eat so that it continues to survive. So in that case, it is within harmony with nature for it to kill something, to eat it. What if I'm starving and my family is starving and I have a neighbor who did nothing to me. Am I in going and killing that person and taking all the food that they've hoarded in the same way that the lion is justified?
1: Um, absolutely not. Uh, and that goes back to choice because understanding that you didn't just wake up one day with nothing in all likelihood,
0: but response. you
1: made certain choices brought you to that. And it might've been that you to pick on you because this is <laughs> that you, I'm gonna get it, yeah. <laughs> you have made certain <laughs> choices that have brought you to this point. You know, you were, um, squandering, uh, um, Assets squandering certain uh, uh, things, making bad decisions financially, whatever it is, um, either you let that go, or you know the other kind of flip side of that is there's quite possibly a chance that the night before somebody came and held you at gunpoint and stole your stuff, and that you know the issue there is, and a lot of people say, well, if you know somebody came and stole your stuff, you should be able to go, you know, get something back. Well, maybe but you have the right in that situation to defend yourself and you have the right to keep that person from doing that with force because what they're doing to you by coming in, they're, they're committing an act of violence. It's a violation and violation of your right to yourself and your stuff, your property, the things that you have gained, um, you know, through work, uh, not through theft of others, obviously, but, you have the right to defend that. And if someone comes in to violate that right, you have the ability to stop them from doing that with force, which is violence and force are two different things. Force is just action that that creates some action that does something. Force equals mass times acceleration. Violence does not equal mass times acceleration. Um, So if someone comes into a situation where they are perpetrating violence on you, you have the natural law, the, the, the force that brings things back into equilibrium is that force that says, I can defend you up into the point of killing you if need be to stop you from doing what you're doing. And that prevents you from getting in a situation where you might have to think about now, how do I go steal from somebody to feed my family? Um, just like saying, well, if I go gamble all my money on, um, whatever basketball team, football team, whatever. If I go gamble on my money on the Harlem globe, if I go bet all my money on the Harlem globe trotters to lose, I don't can't therefore turn around and say, well, now my family's starving. Who can I go steal from? You made the decision to do that. You made the decision not to stand up and defend yourself. That decision has consequences. That cause has effects. And it's because that situation happens and you're living in the right to go create a new cause to, to, to bring violence into the world. <sighs>
0: so I, I still, it's, it's still hard for me to, this is just a part that I have trouble with, with natural law. The parallels still see, seem the same. The gazelle has the right to defend itself. It doesn't have necessarily the capability it has the capability to run away. Um, and, you know, I, I maybe ended up in that situation for, I mean, the, the, the lion ended up in a situation where it was hungry because of its own choices. Unless we're saying that lions don't have choices at all, um, which I, I assume we wouldn't. And then it's like I don't understand what the difference is between the, the lion killing the gazelle because it, otherwise it will die and a person going and killing someone and taking their food because they'll die if they don't i don't understand the difference between i don't understand how the ability to understand natural law makes it different. you know what I mean
1: yeah, yeah, and i i think I think it comes down to I mean, does the lion have choice? Yes, but the choices are you know a lion's not going to sit down and think about how it's going to go about all right if i go over here and then i go over there and then gazelle's going to move this way then i'm gonna move that way right. it's also in the moment but- so the choices are also very um reactive as opposed to pre thought whereas the human has the ability to sit down and say okay just because i'm hungry doesn't mean i have to go kill maybe i just go ask my neighbor hey look this happened if you can give me food for the day, I'll mow your lawn, I'll do, you know, what can I do to pay you back? How can I, what can we work out? You have the ability as a human to plan then to say, okay, here's the situation I'm in. How can I affect a different situation? And how do I then go and, and, and create a cause which will affect a better situation? Uh, that's, so, that's the difference.
0: So is... Is the lion going to have the same effect upon it for killing the the gazelle, the natural law is about consequences, as I would for killing it? sounds like you might be saying it's just that because you conceptualize, you can see that there's better options, not that it would be worse for you than it would be for the lion.
1: You know what I mean? I think so. And, yeah, um... (sighs) maybe
0: it'd be worse because you can understand that you're a piece of shit <laughs> and that's going to yeah. affect your well-being.
1: <laughs> and 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 you know, I, I and it has to do here here's the other side of it too. Hmm. The cause and effect thing, you know, you can't necessarily point to in all situations. You know, it's very easy to say, well, I gambled all my money away. Therefore, I don't have any money to buy food. That's a very clear causal cause and effect relationship. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case because sometimes it will be things, you know, and, and we live in a world where there's so many poor choices, person to person, moment to moment, that we have so many choices going on, so many causes that are created that to pick any one situation and say, here's the one generative cause of this thing can be difficult because there's so many things swirling around. Um. And where was I going with that? So the uh, <laughs> totally got the. If I, wish I could there. help you. <laughs> um, there's so many generative causes. So it's it's kind of it's kind of hard sometimes, I guess, to point back to. Well, this is one thing you can't always do that. However, if you're in a state of suffering there is a cause for that. There is something that you can go back to. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can undo it by going back to that cause because what you can do is then understand that by making a bad choice, okay, this is kind of where I was going, I think, by making the bad choice in the past, you've affected a suffering in the present. And now you can understand that as you make choices in the present and in and, and, and moments future, you will affect certain outcomes based on the decisions you make. And so that ability to understand that um, makes it so that you then have the ability to say, well, maybe I should do things differently. Maybe I should think about the things that I've done. Maybe I should you know, reflect, have self-respect, which spectare comes from to see. And respect is to see again. So self-respect is to see yourself again, to re-look at the way that you've been acting. And so to have that self-respect to say, I've probably done things in the past that are wrong. I know I did this wrong. I know I did that wrong. I've probably done other things wrong. Let me reflect on that, think about that, and let that inform my decision-making in the future. The lion does not have the ability to do that.
0: Yeah, so it sounds sounds like... Yes, basically, it's not that knowledge of natural law, the ability to understand morality, changes the consequences necessarily. It it just opens up a world for you to yeah. make things better than that.
1: Precisely, precisely. Right. Okay, you don't so I don't,
0: to... I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. I want to end the tangent before we get lost. <laughs> I kind of want to go back to those pillars now, but if you wanted to say something, feel free. Well,
1: I just. I don't think the lion has it's tough to say if the the lion in our case has free choice. I do not think that the lion has the ability to act outside of harmony with the world around it. I just don't think that I don't think that a lion, for example, can behave immorally because as I've said, as in my definition, my working definition, morality is acting in harmony with the laws of nature. Um, and I don't think the lion has the ability to act in a disharmonious way with nature. I just don't think, you know, just like the gazelle doesn't have, and yeah, the gazelle so has the right full
0: size. Then you're saying yeah. it's full sides actually. So yeah. it's, it's, it's that, that your ability to conceptualize on that level also makes it possible for you to justify doing horrible things and make actually making the world a really horrible place.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's well said. The cool. ability to justify, I like that.
0: All right, so the first pillar, the first corner
1: was morality. Morality. Did you... Yep. We'll go on to the, the next one then, um, rights. And uh, this is something that I always find interesting. If you go to you know, the, the Joe, Joe Schmo on the street and ask him, what is a Right. <laughs> nine times out of 10 to generalize nine times out of 10, that person will not be able to give you a clear and concise definition of right. They might Mm -hmm. say, well, free speech is a right. Although that's an example of a right. That's not a definition of rights Mm -hmm. or what, you know, and so that's a, that's a, just like, I don't think people, if you said, what is, uh, what is morality? I think people would have a hard time giving you a, a definition of the concept that's going concise. Certainly so with rights. And we hear the term rights. I have the right to this right, that right bandied about all the time. But I think there tends to be a big disconnect between that. And so that is really an important thing to understand in building the foundation for uh freer, your, freer self, freer society. Um, and, and, to raise your consciousness, which is really just another way of saying awareness, to raise your awareness to how you can go about doing that. So a right, quite simply, is an action that does not cause harm to other sentient beings. I mean, that's, that's about as simple as it can be. Um, and right actions are therefore in harmony with the laws of nature because they do not harm the natural world, the world around you, that's living peacefully um, and, and not perpetrating violence or, or acts of aggression. Therefore, all right actions are also in line with moral actions. They're all yeah.
0: morality. How do, we, how do we know what harm is? I mean, for example, someone, most people probably don't want to be whipped, but there are people who do want to be whipped. So that makes people think that morality is subjective or that harm is subjective.
1: Well, yeah, and... Perhaps it is to an extent, I mean, within the context of of you know i 'd like to be tied up and whipped because that 's my thing, okay, for you that 's not harm, well, how do I know that that's something that is or isn't harmful in in your personal definition of harm? Well, I ask you before I do it i don 't just come in you got, and 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 you got
0: my consent
1: yeah I, I i don't just come in and take your ability to decide for yourself, yeah, so the consent um, um And, uh, that's, you know, that's a big part is look at the world around you. You don't really, most people don't realize that they, that paying taxes is consent. That's a form of consenting vote is a form voting is a form of consent. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like either politician, you should go, well, I'm voting for the lesser two evils. No, you're consenting for evil, whether it's the lesser or greater of two evils, you're consenting for evil. You're consenting, Mm -hmm. uh, to that, um, and that's really no way to function because if you ask me, um, me too. because <laughs> because uh, you're you're not i mean there's no voluntary exchange there's no consent there's no real understanding i mean
0: okay so i, I could go into about... the
1: lysander spooner and well i didn't ever sign a contract with with the government you know some some long dead guys from 175 years ago signed mm-hmm you know, sixty ninety one of them or whatever put their name on a piece of paper that was basically a contract with nobody. How does that how does that mean that I consented to to a social contract that I've never because seen? Because
0: you've got a driver's license, which is something that spawned out of that system. Oh.
1: Hey, <laughs> I'm working
0: towards that, but that's awesome. That's awesome. Like I've gotten to a solar electric bike specifically so I wouldn't have to have a driver's license. And I'm still like got it. I'm just like I want to get rid of this thing so bad, but a little bit scared of the consequences. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I, I, um, I've had, I've had one, uh, and it was so funny because all of the situation of, of, uh, my birthday's at the beginning of April. So basically a couple weeks into the lockdown and, and all of this stuff was just so happened to be the time that my driver's license expired. Oh, and as I saw this stuff happen, I was like, there's no way I'm renewing this. There's no way I'm, I'm consenting to go back to that uh, system. And it was already kind of like, man, I don't really know. I haven't had a passport in years, um, which I would actually be more inclined to get a passport because you can get a passport with more. You can sign your passport contract and say, I'm signing this with a no consent duress arrest." There's right, a little more exactly. wiggle room for that. Um, driver's license is a pretty hard contract to do something that. Well,
0: what, what I do is I basically on my website, I have a, a site, a thing where I say anywhere that I'm, you know, basically claiming to be an American citizen, which is a member of the organization. I'm doing so under duress because yes. know, someone is saying I can't travel freely unless I have this thing. And what will happen if I try and travel freely? Well, you will point a gun at me, say, yeah, I can't come over there. All right. I'm under duress now. So I'm free. I'm not actually yes. a member of your organization, but I will get a freaking passport or whatever. All right. Anyways, we got off from consent. So <laughs>
1: That's how did we get to consent? Through <laughs> rights. Um, and, and yeah, uh, right. is an action that doesn't cause harm. How do you know if an action is causing harm? Well, you seek consent, you know, you don't just go All right. assume that your neighbor's going to want to trade his goat for your pig and therefore you go take his goat and leave your pig, that's, that might be harmful to him. He might have had certain plans for the goat, and that's his property anyway. You have to get the consent so what,
0: before you... What is the level of things that we can consent about? Like, it may be annoying to me that someone wears pink shoes. It may be harmful to me. I feel <laughs> physically, psychologically distraught by your pink shoes. So, I mean, how do we define the line there? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know that goes that goes into into really what the the principle is as far as harm goes, uh, um, and is that an action that's really s- stealing from you? That that's really what uh, the harm and It's stealing my well
0: being. Comes... I felt really good until I saw your pink shoes.
1: Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> you, you, your your feeling of well being is your own responsibility first and foremost. Um, And if you are that disturbed by pink shoes, maybe (laughs) you go, you know, you you don't look at that person when you see them on the street and maybe you choose a different street to walk down the next time you're in that area, knowing that, Hey, in the past there were pink shoes on this street. I really don't want (laughs) to see that. So I'm going to use a different street. I'm going to go, you know, it's the, it's, it's, it's the, if you're that scared of getting sick, maybe you should stay home. Maybe you should be more concerned about how your health is uh, um, dealing with, how, how you can improve your health to deal with uh, sicknesses that, that might come, or come about from being out in public. It's not my responsibility to maintain your immune system. In fact, I can't even possibly do that if I wanted to, um, unless I'm holding a gun to your head and forcing you to eat kale or something, which who knows? It might be bad for you. I don't know. That's not my, you know, I can't feel what your body's feeling when you're eating that. I don't know long-term how that's going to affect you. So ultimately that's up to you. Um, and, you know, I would say if you're that psychologically uh, terrified of pink shoes, maybe you need to do the immunotherapy equivalent of of dealing with that, which might be understanding why is it what's what is it that so disturbs me about something as as maybe not mundane, but something as generally perceived as not that harmful, like pink shoes, and maybe you so have about, to go back to some sort of a situation where you're understanding that well, there's this incident in my childhood where I was kicked yeah. and I've suppressed it, I was kicked by somebody they were wearing pink shoes, I associate that and I've, and now, if I understand that, I can apply healing to that, I can come to terms with it, and I can start to move past it and and build up my psychological immunity.
0: So the pink shoe thing is, you know, easy to defeat. But what about (laughs) what about the mask thing? You know, maybe like for me, I, you know, I think it's pretty clear that the mask mandates are pretty silly. But you know, it's not hard to be convinced the other way. And there's a lot of good evidence that actually would, you know, good justifications for that. So what where's the line when we're talking about going out into public and one half the population, maybe like 90% of the population <laughs> thinks that the mask is really important. And anyone who doesn't do that is being immoral. They're harming other people. Like, is there a way that we can draw a clear line that anyone in a situation like that can go, can understand whether or not they have the right to not wear a mask or whatever?
1: Well, uh- I will, I will take this to the very this, – this it's very simple to me. There's a very simple kind of, again, Socratic dialogue way to go about this. Whatever the situation is, we'll use masks. Um, you choose to wear a mask, okay? I respect that you make that choice. I have, I, have, I have no problem with you choosing to do that for whatever reason, whatever your health reason is. In fact, I respect your decision so much that I would never think of holding a gun to your head and making you try to change that um, stance. Would you afford me the same,
0: but it's not regardless the same of my because, decision? Because not, there's no threat of to you if someone wears a mask, but there can be a conceivable threat to you if someone doesn't wear a mask.
1: There's no threat to me. <laughs>
0: But there's um, a different understanding in the population. I, I agree understand, with you, but there's understand. a different understanding. I
1: understand. Well, <clears throat> that doesn't really change the fact that by going out without a mask, there's a fundamental difference. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to hold a gun to your head and trying to change your actions. Hmm. But by saying that in order to, if I go out into public without a mask, I should have a gun held to my head until I put that mask on. That's the fundamental difference. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And am I really a threat to you? Or are you, you know, are you just not taking the responsibility for your own immune health? Are you not taking the responsibility to uh, understand that there are different ways to go about not getting sick, to to recover from sickness, um, to me, it's a huge. You know, all right, all right. So, if I have to wear a mask, first of all, you think that I absolutely have to wear a mask, or I'm putting everyone's life in jeopardy. Let's 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 uh, let's people's court this. Make your case and prove it beyond a reasonable go. doubt. Prove give me I'm evidence. Reasonable. Don't give me. Well, Anderson Cooper said, "No, I don't care about what some puppet on on some some." show set. I need, I need facts here. You know, let's, let's, let's Perry Mason.
0: That's the whole like mistake. I don't know. I I don't know if I want to call it the the mistake, a mistake that the left makes, but it's basically, they're giving up on this idea that if you're going to say that I need to do something differently, that has to be because I'm harming someone. And if you're saying I'm harming someone, you have to prove it. Otherwise you're slandering me. You know, basically,
1: absolutely, but it's like yeah.
0: something that people just miss, and there's yeah. no way that they're going to prove that. In fact, there's all kinds of evidence that non-symptomatic people don't even spread the disease, and and the mask is <laughs> being worn not to protect you, it's to protect other people theoretically. But we have scientific evidence that that doesn't work, so why are we wearing anyways?
1: And in fact, yeah. and in fact, you know, even even a certain head of a certain. Um, national organization uh, who's been deeply uh, embedded in all of this, uh, who I'm not saying is Dr. Faustus, (laughs) but his name is similar. And there's a lot of deal with the devil kind of stuff. If you ask me, Um, Uh he wrote a paper, what 12 or 14 years ago that said in 1919, the Spanish flu, a lot of people that died actually died from wearing a mask, which then contributed to bacterial pneumonia, which was different from an influenza uh, so side
0: thing, side thing. I actually went and read that article. I didn't read the whole thing. I, you know, I kind of read the synopsis or the whatever that thing. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. And they didn't talk about masks. I did a I did a control find on the article. There's nothing about masks in the article. I, have you actually read the article?
1: Yeah, I've read the study. Um, I actually did a report. And did they it. talk
0: about masks?
1: Uh, they talk about yeah. They talk about face coverings. They talk about um,
0: all right. So they
1: talk about bacterial pneumonia, st- which is a when you get yeah, into the idea, when you they get into the idea of bacterial pneumonia is a, is a closed system disease, you know, you don't really get bacterial pneumonia out in the world, Um, generally in the modern day, if you're getting bacterial pneumonia, it's from staying in a hospital room for an extended period of time. And it's staying in that closed system where bacteria have the ability to reproduce more readily than if you're going in and, and treating things with natural antibacterial, uh, things like vitamin D from the sun has actually got a lot of uh, antibacterial properties. Um, and, and just general, you know, and of course the hospitals with the food that they serve, you know, there's, um, very little healthy about hospital food.
0: Uh, I know it's. I don't understand it. It makes no sense.
1: Well, it's, it's not a. It's the,
0: the, the hospital food. It's just like I thought we were trying to heal people here. You're feeding them hamburgers and French fries and, and jello.
1: Jello, yeah, is a huge grade grade right, E animal one. gelatin. We're
0: mm. like. 15
1: minutes in, <laughs> and we've got two more pillars to go. So and then first seven principles. Is morality,
0: second pillar. I don't know if we're going to make it, man. That's all uh,
1: right. Third one. Third one. Third one. Minutes,
0: no, no. Second one. Sorry, it was rights and
1: Moral, morals and, and rights. Uh, the, the third one is um, now we're starting to kind of build an understanding of, of how we deal with information and input. Um, And the kind of classical method to do that and something that will help you help you uh, in your foundation, understanding morals, understanding rights, and then just understanding how you understand um, is what's called trivia methodology, which is very simply understanding that there's a system for acquiring and dealing with information with with inputs from the outside world where you have an input coming in you analyze it, you process it, and then you put something out into the world. And, and it has to do with the flow of energy. You know, you, you have to receive, you also have to then balance in your own self and then you have to uh, continue the flow of, of energy. And as far as information goes, this is kind of the process. And, and that's, you know, you can see it in, in many different systems. For example, computers are a good modern example where you input something into the computer it processes it, and then it gives you something in output. Um, and so that's a kind of a good parallel um, um, for people. But Trivium, it sounds like, a you know, this, oh my gosh, what's that? It's What are we in A Greek school from, you know, 300 BC. Well, yeah, they did teach it back then, but um, it's just very simply understanding that you have to take in as much information from a varied and eclectic and wide variety of sources. You have to apply that. You have to think about it. You have to compare it to other information and then you have to move that into an output. And at any point, if there's some junk coming into, if there's some junk at the processing level, if there's some junk junk at any point in that process, the output's going to end up being um, junk. You know, if you have a, 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 if you're writing a document on a word program, and you type in a bunch of random letters, you can't expect that to be processed into a poem. Mm-hmm. Just like if you have a program that works terribly, and you write a really nice poem, but it the the, the program is totally garbage, it's gonna randomly put those letters in an order when you print it out that's not gonna make sense. So just that's just kind of an illustration, but the, the, the trivia methodology is really just a way of coming to a better understanding of how you are processing and thinking about and and dealing with the information that's, and inputs that are coming from around you. And a big part of that, the input, a big part of the input part of that process is the varied and eclectic variety of sources. So many people, and, and what's very difficult is if you just take input from one source and expect to get an output that's really any different. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Yeah. So, so
0: what was the one, what was the one word descriptor for this for the third pillar?
1: Um, one word descriptor. I would say trivium, but <laughs> uh, to if I could put a short a short multi word, it's understanding, learning, learning about okay. learning.
0: Okay. So coming to know the truth about things and gaining wisdom about it sounds, sounds like basically processing the information and turning it into a way that you're acting in the world. So would wisdom be an okay? That's, that's what I would call
1: wisdom. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's, uh, looking at a variety of, of sources is good. Um, Going to find that information, thats that's that having the care, having the attention, having the drive to go find the knowledge um, is in its own way a manifestation uh, of wisdom. But you get the information and then it becomes knowledge. And then when you go to act on that knowledge, that's where you can have wisdom. Wisdom is the active part of that system. And so, yes, yeah, certainly striving towards acting in a wise fashion and acting in wisdom, that's the ultimate goal. And so, yeah, I would say that very much about wisdom in that, in that situation, that method.
0: What's, what's pillar? What's the fourth corner?
1: Pillar. And, and so now we're going to go kind of up one level as far as understanding. Now we're kind of understanding how we can process information. Now we have to kind of internalize. And, and so this is the unity consciousness or just the awareness, just the self-awareness principle, understanding that within everything, particularly within the human mind, um, there is kind of two sides. There's kind of two roles. There's kind of the let's go out, you know, let's, let's um, um, actively, you know, go put this, you know, thing down. Let's, let's start to build this. We put this stone down, then that stone down, then this stone down. We analyze, we make a logical assessment of how we go do stuff in the world. Then there's also this, you know, let's bring everybody together now that we've built this structure. Let's bring people in and let's unite people and and, and, and let's think about the whole system. Okay, uh, uh, there's this building, but then there's also this building over there. And and how do we kind of unite and, 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 and bring everything together?
0: Mm.
1: It's logical, analytical, and then it's holistic and syst- systematic. Not systematic, but um, the holistic kind of uh, systemic uh, systemic. Oh, yes. Systemic. Sys- oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, better than systematic systematic sounds too linear. Um, hmm. I put, yeah, I put systemic anyway, but um, so, and, and it's very much a, a process of uh, understanding that within your mind, there are times where you have to think about things logically. There are times where you have to feel things and um, integrating those two tools within your own mind brings you to that, unification and that self-awareness that sometimes you have to apply logical thought, rational, linear, ABC thought. Sometimes you have to think about things in in a more holistic fashion and understanding you have both those tools and figuring out how to, how and when to integrate them, how and when to use one over the other and really to be aware that you're using one over the other to go, okay, this piece of information is hitting me and it's making me feel a certain way, and now I'm trying to think with my feelings, and I'm getting very, oh my gosh, that's, that can't be right. That can't be right because it makes me feel a certain way. Well, emotion really doesn't have that much to do with information processing on the linear level, on the logical level. You know, if if it's just information that's hitting you, yeah, it might resonate with you, but to try and think with your emotions is not going to actually get the job done. There's a tool for thought and 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 information uh, on the linear thing, uh, and that and that is your thoughts. Whereas emotions are are made for a different. It's a tool for a different job, and a lot of people I would say in today's uh, world have a huge tendency to take information and deal with it emotionally and not have any sort of thought, uh, logic, thought, logical thought about it. And you can't think with your emotions. That's just not what emotions are built for. Um, I'm not saying but that I'm emotions. Really, kind are... of the
0: inverse of that too. Uh yeah, uh, yeah. Mark Pastio talks about that a lot. The really left brain focused people, the really right brain focused people. And the whole thing is really to bring it all together in a way which mm-hmm. uh, works really well. Um, which is, um, there's, a, there's a guy, Joe Bandle, he's, he calls himself the last Rosicrucian. And, you know, he basically is talking about this, too. This seems to be a, a common theme that I'm hearing lately. It's basically, you have, you, even with the Hegelian dialectic, you have one side and you have the other side. And they seem like opposites. And really, the key thing is for them to work together. Because if you don't, then these two exactly. sides actually fight each other or weaken each other, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's an excellent point. You know, I harp too much on the, on the logic side of things, but yeah, if you're, you know, just do I make the decision to spend the rest of my life with this person or, or, or show compassion to that person or whatever and think about, well, if I do, you know, will I get paid back? Is it going to be worth it? You know, let's go, tick every single box and, and, and apply some formula to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's not what logic is for necessarily. I mean, you might apply some of it just the way that you might apply some emotion to, all right, I hear what you're saying and I analyze the information, but it still doesn't sit right. And that's a feedback mechanism to then go look deeper into the logic behind it. Why doesn't that sit right? Well, I have to go reanalyze and, and, and go through the steps of, of, of integrating that information again and might go, oh, well, if this part of it I was thinking about it wrong and now I think about it in that way. Now I feel better about it. And so it's kind of a feedback, just the way that I really like this person, uh, I, I want to spend more time with them, and I start to look at it logically and go, well, something doesn't seem right. Well, let's go back to how do I feel? And then you might go, you know what, that little thing, that logical thing, it's really not that big of a deal. I can get over that. That's just me being too logical. That's just, you know, my, and so they feed back on each other as well, as you go to analyze different situations. Um, but applying the right one primarily to the right situation and allowing the other one to act as a responsive feedback, uh, is a good way to, to, to bring that dynamic together and to use both tools on a problem in their right application, respectively. Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like this corner is sort of focused on self-understanding and balance and also how the, a balance between how then you interact with the the world outside of you. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's the very quick summary of like one word or whatever of the fourth one
1: It's self-awareness. Okay. I I think that's pretty, you know, I would say I've said unity consciousness. I've got a little slideshow thing that I did where I put unity consciousness, but anytime I look at it, I think I should really change that to self-awareness. I think it's more digestible.
0: So, there's the four pillars, or you call them the corners, or the pillars.
1: The pillars right? Four. Those are the cornerstones. The, in my
0: four cornerstones of natural law. I'm. It took us an hour to get through four, so I. And I really want to give. I want to go into be able to go into the seven, you know, at equally as thoroughly. So I'm thinking maybe we should do that as a, a second episode at some point. Sure. Yeah. Um, but would you be willing to tease us? and uh, basically s- just list them
1: real quick. I'd be happy to list them really quick. And I, um, I will give a quick, you know, other teaser uh, as well. And this is definitely um, has a lot to do with Mark Passio. Uh, but there's actually a hidden eighth principle. <gasps> yeah. So there's, there's a big, you know, teaser for you. But so the, yeah. very simply the seven, the seven pillars, and, and I say the eighth principle is kind of the, the, the um, keystone you know, these, there's these seven pillars and then there's this crown that kind of sits on top of it. This, this apex piece that, that once you have the seven, it kind of unites them and it kind of unites the whole structure. But uh, so the first, uh, well, yeah, I'll just, list the, I'll just list the kind of one word summation so, so I don't spend too much okay. time. But uh, mentalism is the first okay. hermetic principle. Mm-hmm. Correspondence. Mm-hmm. Vibration. Polarity. Rhythm. Causality, gender, and those are the seven. And the eighth and final one is care.
0: Care. The heart. Yes, ah. and
1: that's the uniting, that's the one thing that unites the entire building. It's, it's the, mm-hmm. that's the, crowning, um, the crowning piece of, of, of the building. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole reason that you even, you know, it, it goes through, it's so deep, that's why it's hidden. Um, it's actually the foundation as well as the capstone. Because you don't cool. start, you don't start the building without care, just like you don't finish it without care. So,
0: right, cool. that sounds awesome. I think that's going to be a really fun conversation. Basically, the 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 seven principles from the Kaibalyan and mm-hmm. then the principle of heart, which another Rosicrucian thing. They seem very focused on. the the heart, basically the heart, they even call it the Christ spirit, even though they don't consider themselves to be Christians. So that's going to be uh, a fun conversation. So, yeah. All right. I also (laughs) had all kinds of more questions. So (laughs) we'll have to save it for later. Okay. I want to, I want to know how, what, what are you doing? What kind of thing are you working on that you want people to know about?
1: Oh goodness. Well, um, I'm working, uh, I should be doing more with the Green River Alchemical Society. That's kind of been on the back burner over the last couple of months. Um certainly a good place to 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 check out. It's it my more esoteric natural law stuff is at Green com on Odyssey uh at Green River Alchemy um or LBRY, same platform. Um and I only have a handful of videos and they're a little more, tend to be a little more esoteric. I have a couple of podcasts, other people's podcasts that I've been on that are up there. Um, kind of my main thing and what's taking a lot of my time and attention is I am a host and producer for an alternative media platform, uh, Winnipeg Alternative Media, which is centered out of Canada um, and have been producing and hosting there for several months now, building that platform. Um, And so that's been a really great experience. And I have a show on Wednesday mornings. It's 8 a.m. Pacific time, 10 or 11 o'clock on the East Coast. Uh, That's live every Wednesday morning called Wake Up With Wham, Winnipeg Alternative Media, uh, which is more of a news kind of thing. Although I've been doing, I did three, the last three episodes were all about anarchy and Mm. kind of spent months trying to build kind of a, a... platform with the audience and now want to move into solutions but there's a lot more news i've done did an episode on the rockefeller lockstep document an episode on dark winter i did an episode on uh the great reset stuff like that so that's a little more global economic um and 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 world kind of news uh although a lot of it you have your centered on control theory because although conspiracy theory is a fine term, I've moved beyond that. And I say, you can call me a conspiracy theory if you want, but really I'm a control theorist. I, my theory is mm. that everything that you see is about control and control of people. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you have your videos uh, and, and there aren't so many. I think there's like eight or 10 or, or something mm-hmm. like that. But the thing about these videos is that it's very clear that you put a lot of time into thinking about these topics like that first one, with uh, what does the Bible say about, you know, government. And it's just like, you really thoroughly went into that. You have nice slides going along with what you're talking about the entire time. So these are really quality videos and worth checking out. Um, and then you have your um, Wake Up With Winnipeg show. And uh, we can link to both of those things. What was the website where they can see the videos and maybe even the show? I'm
1: sure. uh, WinnipegAlternativeMedia.ca w- 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 is the website for Winnipeg Alternative Media. Um, all the videos, links to all that, I think it's more or less up to date. I really need to. I'm, I'm also the web, the main web uh, master for that website. And this is why a lot of my stuff and, and kind of what I'm going to be pivoting to in the next year is trying to start to hand off some of the things around that. Now that we've kind of got the platform established, try to start to hand off to some of those things Uh, to to others so i can go back to concentrating on some of the things that i'm doing so that's what i've been doing um and we'll continue to do i'm gonna continue to do the the show on wednesdays for the foreseeable future and produce uh some other people's shows um just behind the scenes stuff but going into the new year uh i don't know if i can really announce that yet uh working on, I guess I can tease it anyway, working on starting a natural law literary magazine, uh, -magazine, um, e-magazine, which working with a couple of people, that's looking like it's going to take shape probably in two months. We'll probably shoot for March to do the first issue of a bi-monthly thing and start really looking for contributors. That's going to be kind of a classic literary magazine, but online and we'll take are you,
0: are you familiar with the one great work network that, um, yes, Mark yes, I, am
1: yes, I am in development for a show, uh, natural law, alchemy in the Bible, which will be on one great work network. Whenever they get the website stuff, we've been kind of nice. delayed. He was shooting for December or early January, but they've been having trouble building a website. That's robust enough to, um, host, the kind of stuff that they're doing. So we kind of, it keeps getting pushed back a couple weeks, a couple weeks. So I'm not really sure the launch date on that uh, on the network, but yes, I, and I don't have my time slot confirmed, but it'll probably be a Sunday show, but yeah, it's going to be awesome. natural law, uh, alchemy in the Bible and going to go all over the place. I'm really just starting to really get a good outline and framework for how that show is going to look um so that's something that definitely be building into that's kind of my big project for the the new year is is getting all my ducks in a row to 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 get involved with the One great work network and then just networking with the folks in and around that network and other networks and people like you and michael david moreno you know coming across people that i think wow this is really good information and Building all of these, you know, I, I feel like for years and, and, and with the Green River Alchemical Society, I uh, have felt for years that it seems kind of lonely when you start to go through these things where it's like, oh my gosh, the world's kind of out to get us little people. And I know this and nobody around me knows it. I feel lonely. And so a big part of what I am trying to do, what I think is important um, for for anyone uh, uh, is Oh, I'll be back in a second. My camera does this.
0: Okay.
1: There it is. I got an update a couple of days ago, and now it does this every now and then. Anyway, um, but, but understanding that you might feel like you're on an island, but when you start to reach out and see other people's work, you might think that, oh, my gosh, that person's really doing something cool, but they're all the way over there. Well, chances are, as what I've found, is that if you reach out to people – they're going to at least say, Hey, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you do. You keep doing what you're doing. And, and the islands get closer together and Mm -hmm. the whole concept of networking is really, really important. Um, because one, it doesn't make first and foremost, it makes people feel like there is a connection and so much of what the system of control is about is making people feel disconnected. And when you start to come into truth, when you start to come into certain things, you feel even more disconnected because friends and family, they, they don't want to go along with you on this journey. And then you feel cut off. There's plenty of people. And and so for me reaching out to people and trying to to bring people together, at least just understanding that, you know, there's really not a huge leap between me and, Whoever it is, uh, James Corbett, you know, whoever, who you know, some of these big names in the alternative media community or Mark Passio, you know, who I, you know, have, have been interested in for years. You know, now I have, you know, had some neat conversations with him. I've I've been involved with him now and and it didn't take much, but me going, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to reach out. And lo and behold, and, and, and just bringing people together, networking, it's so important. Yeah, I
0: agree. It, it could be pretty dark when mm-hmm. you're losing everyone in your life. And uh, every time you try to tell someone something, which is pretty obvious really. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, what?" Ah, blah, blah, blah. it's just like, Oh my gosh, humanity. Oh my gosh. So yeah, coming together and finding people who, you know, it helps with you psychologically, but it also helps us strengthen ourselves mm-hmm. as a network and, Help solve that problem of the mm-hmm. fact that everyone else mm-hmm. is pretty, you know, clueless about a lot of things.
1: Yeah, so that's my big. That's my big. You know, it's, as much as I want to do this, that, make videos, first and foremost, I want to meet people. I want to get the message that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about waking waking people up, which I'm getting so sick of that term. But that's another story. Um, it's about communicating information to people but it's also very much about understanding that people who know certain things are out there and want to connect with other people who know these things. Like there's this desire and that, that ability to communicate lessens, the feeling of loneliness while increasing the, the, the the light that the, you know, all these torches coming together are going to burn brighter. So Totally. That's really what I'm going to focus on as much as anything uh, in the coming year. That sounds,
0: that sounds great. I'm
1: sounds like the perfect to thing
0: to focus on. And I'm looking forward to checking out your Winnipeg show. <laughs> do you actually have a uh, like recorded one? Yeah.
1: Or yeah. The ones I, I? I okay. No, I, they're all back there. Like I said, they're all on the, um, there's an odyssey channel, which you can link to through the website, but yeah, winnipegalternativemedia.ca is the hub for, for all things there's several uh, shows um and they're all archived on the website uh you can watch from the website you can link to the odyssey youtube channels whatever you want but they're all they're all very findable
0: cool all right andy thanks for coming and talking to us about oh, natural you. law and i'm really looking forward to going into those seven principles next
1: time so i'll see you then. yeah sounds great thanks for having me yeah.